Welcome back to GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Tyra Jones. And here's a bit about Tyra. Tyra D. Jones is a wife, mother of eight, and foster mom to two boys. She is a three times of Amazon best-selling author, a certified life purpose coach, and motivational speaker. She has dedicated her life to helping other women heal from past abuse and live a victorious life. She does so by sharing her personal journey of surviving an abusive marriage and homelessness to living the life of victory in God. You heard me, God. It is her desire to encourage, support, and motivate women in same in the same struggles by empowering them to be the best versions of themselves. Some books written by Tyra include her memoirs, A Crown of Beauty for Ashes, Pain to Purpose, Escaping the Fire to Get to Freedom, and a 31-day companion devotional for A Crown of Beauty for Ashes. She has also co-authored two anthologies, Broken Chains, and Soul to Soul. And without further ado, welcome Tyra D. Jones. We're talking about pain to purpose, y'all. Yes. Hey. Hey, everybody. Hey, Genesis. Hey, thank you so much, Tyra. Just reading your bio, that is just a condensed version of who you are. So start off by telling the listeners a little bit more insight because we all know that a bio is just a bio. And then we're going to really dive into from pain to purpose because that is so impactful because we've all endured some type of pain in our life, but it's that pain that produces the purpose and us really figuring out who we are, why we were created, and et cetera. Whenever someone asks me to describe who I am, the first thought that always comes to my mind, I have to give God glory because I am his child. I am a woman of God first. I'm a wife um, to the love of my life. Uh, I'll explain that later. And I have, we have a blended family of eight. I came in with four. He came in with four. And then we adopted a little girl last year from foster care, and we're hoping to adopt two little boys. That's part of who I am as a, a person. Um, some of the things that I do is fight for domestic violence to help end it because I had a life of domestic violence and I thought that I had an end. And once I got out, I saw that my life was just beginning. And I also fight for foster care awareness because. That is an important topic. If you have a horrible beginning, it's hard for you to see where you're going. So I fight to help children have a better future. So that's just a little bit more about myself. And that is beautiful because you said you thought your life had stopped, but your life was just beginning after you got out of the turmoil of a marriage that was surrounded about around with domestic violence and et cetera. And you are fortunate because there are some women who never make it out of a domestic violence situation because 
they have their blinders on and they keep saying, oh, he's going to change. He's going to do this or whatnot or vice versa, because not all the times is the man is the man, the abusive one. There are some abusive women. So we just want to be factual about that. Domestic violence is domestic violence, but how you see your way out of it is very important because some women or some men feel like there's no end in mind and they feel like the only way it's going to end is through death and we want to encourage you that obviously Tyra Jones she's a survivor she made it out and her life is blossoming she's married she has a beautiful blended family she's now adopting um children well one child but the two are on the way y'all so I just wanted to put that out in the universe and give God the glory there And she is changing and reshaping their lives because now they're able to have a balanced home and et cetera. So I definitely want you to talk about what was it like being in a domestic violence situation? And the reason why I want you to go into that situation and paint us a picture is because we're going to be able to understand more of your book, Pain to Purpose. Well, um, a lot of people don't understand how the woman or man feels when you are being abused day in and day out. Um, from the inside, to me, I didn't even realize that I was an abused woman. And the reason I say that is because there are different degrees. And so we rationalize, okay, well, if he doesn't hit me in the face and leave black eyes, then I, it can't be that bad. I'm not, I'm not like the woman who's walking around with bruises all over her body. Um, The thing with my situation is, is that my ex-spouse was a military police officer. So he knew how to abuse me without leaving outward marks. And um, it wasn't just physical, it was emotional, it was financial, it was sexual. There are so many different levels and types of domestic violence that go along with the physical. And what I mean by that is, He emotionally abused me. Um, I was less than the dirt under his feet. He made sure that I knew that on a daily basis, even on the good days, I was never good enough. Um, Financially, he had total control of the bank accounts. And if the few times that I did leave, everything was cut off. So it wasn't just, okay, well, you get out and you can take whatever you need. He kicked my kids and I out and we were forced to fend for ourselves with nothing. We couldn't leave with anything because everything belonged to him. Um, A question there really quick. So when you left with you and your kids, were those his children biologically? Yes, three out of the four were his. Um, My story, um, there was a pause. And what I mean by that is we were married for seven and a half years. We, I actually left him. And I went back to him four years later. That's a whole nother story because if if we don't get counseling after abuse, we don't change our mindset. And so that mindset still has us in bondage and we still feel like we need that person no matter how long the break. So um, during that break, I had my fourth child. Okay. You had your fourth child with someone else, not him. Yes. Okay. Someone else. Okay. And the reason why I asked that is because it's part of your story. And so I wanted to put that puzzle piece in. So, so go ahead. Cause it's, um, and so as far as sexually, I mentioned that because a lot of people don't, they don't equate that to abuse, but, um, 
when the night that he finally tried to kill me, he actually raped me. And yes, a husband can rape his wife. Um, and that was his way of showing me he still had control of me. Um, it wasn't just the rape, but also um, he would go out, bring STDs back to me. Um, so that broke down my body because, of course, he was, you know, he would go to the doctor and get care for his symptoms, not telling me that I needed care for mine. And I'm still struggling with some of those things today. So um, it's a total package. When a woman is inside domestic violence, she's broken down. He starts grooming her and seducing her from the beginning. And by the time it's in full blown, she feels like she needs him. She doesn't feel like she's good enough for anyone else because he's constantly telling her, no one else wants you. I'm the only one who wants you. And, you know, from the way I wore my hair, the clothing I wore, I had to stay a certain size. Otherwise, um, that became a problem. So it's total control of her. And so people say, well, why don't you leave? Well, by the time you realize that you're being abused, the psychological, you're psychologically connected to him in, in every other way. Wow. Okay. And let's stay here for a bit and we're going to unpack some of this. So he was controlling all aspects of your life as if he wanted you to see him as your God, even though you already have a heavenly father and you already have an earthly dad. So him trying to be your husband, he wanted to be more than your husband in a sense. And he was projecting his insecurities that he was dealing with onto you because he felt like if I could keep you under my feet, if I could talk down to you, if I could do this, that, and the third, you're not going to realize who you are. You're not going to realize the inner warrior of Tyra Jones. And you're, you're going to be, you know, on my potter's wheel in a sense, more uh, metaphorically speaking, I'm going to keep, you know, pushing the, pushing the pedal, pushing the pedal, and you're going to keep winding and winding and winding and spinning until I get you to be what I want you to be. And that is manipulation. That is control. That is narcissistic. There's so many things that are involved in that. But I want to ask you, what drew you to that man in the first place? Um, my story with him um, didn't just start with um, me meeting him. I say all the time my story started when I was growing up. And the reason I say that is because I grew up in an in abusive home. I saw my father abuse my mother. And so it's generational. And I say that because my sister also married an abusive man. So it started way back in childhood, and I saw that as the marriage, the typical marriage, because I didn't know anything else. And so, you know, the saying of daughters marry their fathers, I believe that's true in the spiritual sense, because that's who you gravitate toward. I met him when I was 15 years old in high school, and I was already damaged um, from the abuse that I saw in my home with my father and my mother, but also I was also sexually abused for um, between ages five and 14. So there was so much going on with me. Um, I was already a train wreck. And so I gravitated toward him because I thought, okay, well, he's going to take me away from all of this stuff, all of the trauma, all the turmoil. And that's the danger of looking to man instead of looking to God. At that young age, I we had gone to church. I knew of God, but I did not have a relationship with God. 
And that's so important. And that is so important that you said that you knew of God, but you didn't have a relationship with God. And one thing I heard you say as you were speaking was you were already damaged. So when you saw him, you gravitated to him because you thought he was going to be your saving grace. So you were trying to seek validation in him versus seeking validation and going up vertically. And when I say go up vertically, go up to our heavenly father and maker, because you were already, you know, dealing with with you know complexities at home then you put school in there then you put you being taken advantage of at such a young age from five to 14 you mentioned right that's that's hard for any child to endure and when you are so young sometimes it's hard to really express yourself to your parents especially if they're dealing with their own baggage and bondages they're not going to understand how you feel so you need you needed somebody to love you and the people that you thought could really love you was not there you know mentally physically and emotionally in a sense because they are dealing with their own struggles so then now you're just going through life and going through the emotions and you want a way out but your way out was sought was by seeking somebody else versus getting whole and rebuilding the damages inside of you right right so when did you really start to put in the work um from your adolescence to your adulthood Talk about that. And then we're going to go from your abusive marriage to your conducive marriage now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think all along the way, I I realized that I needed to get out. I wanted to get out. I just did not know how. Um, back when we were um, originally married, because the abuse started in high school, we got married. Um, I I did confide in a few people because we both joined the army. And so um, the mentality of the army is so um, it's so harsh sometimes that they don't want to hear you're being abused because that's that disrupts the mission. Um, And so there were times then that I confided in um, his unit, mine, um, but it went on deaf ears. And so I felt like because I was away from home, I grew up in Florida, but we went to North Carolina. So I was surrounded by no one that I knew. So there was really no help when your, um, your military units are not hearing you. Um, so it wasn't until we actually got, um, I exited during my third pregnancy and we were brought back home because he was getting stationed somewhere else without us. That was my first opportunity for freedom because we were without him for a year. And I, at that point, I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. The dreams that I had, um, I was always an excellent student. And so I had scholarships after school, but that wasn't his dream for me. So I gave up those things and followed him, which anybody who knew me in the military would say I didn't belong there, but I went because he wanted me with him. So during that year away from him, I, I realized who I was and that this was not the life that I wanted. And so that was my beginning in my late 20s. That was my beginning of finding who I was and who I wanted to be. And I wanted to go back to that young girl who wanted to be a teacher, wanted to be a writer. I still hadn't put that one foot out, but I knew at that point that that's what I wanted to do with my life. 
you were getting a sense of clarity. You were getting a glimpse of purpose because you didn't have that ball and chain, metaphorically speaking, tied to you because he was gone. You were you were coming back home with your children. You were pregnant. And so you were going through a new birthing process, metaphorically speaking, because your vision wasn't tainted because you didn't have to, you know, be in a household with the trauma that was enduring. It felt like you could breathe again. It felt like you could just let your shoulders relax because you didn't have somebody looking over you like a hawk. You didn't have somebody just coming in because your house should be a a place of peace. It should be your sanctuary. It should be your safe haven. It should be a place where you could just saw and you could feel like, oh my gosh, like, it feels so good to be in my own home. But when you're going through different turmoils, people don't know what it's like unless they've walked in your shoes. They could say, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that. Or I know how you feel. You don't know how I feel. Are you being abused mentally, physically, emotionally, and sexually? No. So you don't know. And that's why we have to have these courageous conversations so we can understand understand we're not going to always get everything but just having someone like you Tyra open up and be vulnerable and share your story it helps people on the outside looking in and it helps you from the inside looking out because you're able to talk about it and every time you talk about it you're putting you're putting that rock and that rock is building a bridge because you're freeing yourself yeah so when you were away for that year what what happened and did you file for divorce or what did that look like because this is all on your road to purpose pain to purpose (laughs) y'all yes I actually when he got back um I actually did file for divorce um and so he um we stayed where we were in Florida um I had the support of my mother and my sisters at that time and he moved on um somewhere else um and at the time, it's interesting because when a woman decides that she's going to leave, you don't realize how hard it's going to be because up to that point, we had been dependent on him for everything. And so he wanted to make sure that I knew if I left, I was leaving with no financial support. Um, so that meant no child support. And you know, the first time we we left and the second time, I was never able to get child support, even with going through the state. Because, Seriously? Very serious. Um, because he was stationed in other duty stations. He wasn't in Florida. So I guess it was hard for them because they had to have the military's help to have it deducted from his pay. And the military really wasn't open to doing that. So, you know, he never really paid child support. So I was always on my own. And I think a lot of times people don't realize they think, okay, well, you can just leave. But most women stay because the financial, you want to make sure that you're able to provide for yourself and your children. Um, And that's just not there. Even public assistance, I couldn't get either time because we were still married. I could not afford to divorce him on my own had to go through the county. So during that time, I couldn't get financial assistance because what they do is they count his income as part of mine. And that's why I wasn't qualified for benefits. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think things need to change in that area because I think that's what keeps a lot of women from leaving. They don't have any resources to turn to. 
And then now that you got out of that relationship and now you're open and really sharing your journey, are you going to think about having a nonprofit for women who have endured something like this? So you could, you know, put some resources because we have to really help women who are going through domestic violence. And I also, I'm all about equality, as you know, diversity, equity, inclusion plus equality. We also have to have men because there are some very abusive women out here too. So I'm not just giving men, a men, you know, a bash. I'm not just giving women a bash. I'm giving anyone who is, you know, the predator when it comes to domestic violence. So I would love to see you start an organization because people who have gone through things, they already kind of have a blueprint and they're able to help somebody else who's in the fire, pull them out, metaphorically speaking. And now I want to kind of get into your purpose journey and learn about your Boaz because you mentioned that your husband now is, you know, just amazing. And when you talked about him, it reminded me of Ruth in the Bible and how she was just tilling the ground or whatnot. She was following the instruction. Then she met Boaz and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sexual or anything, but she just laid at his feet. She just helped him. She nurtured him or whatnot. And then before you know it, Ruth and Boaz, y'all, they were a thing. <laughs> yes. Um, I say that he's the love of my life. I used to think in the mindset that I had before that um, my previous husband was the love of my life, but I didn't even understand what love was. Um, the funny thing is, is that when we decided to start courting, because we courted because of the church we attended at the time, I he had been trying to take me on one date for about five years. And I had told God after that relationship, I don't want any other man. I just want to raise my kids. That's all I want. I want to see my kids, you know, go to school and that would be joy for me. But of course, God had another plan um, because I I did not trust love and I was still healing. Um, And so we actually worked together and he would ask me, you know, you want to go on a date? No, it was always no. It it was five years and he was very persistent. Um, <laughs> and the, my go ahead for him was, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> that was my, me telling him, okay, well, we can do this. But I was still a little bit afraid because, you know, when you had a history of trusting your own thoughts, you, you know, I had to make sure, okay, God, is this you? Because I don't want to get into another situation again. You know, I, I just can't because by that time I knew who I was, I knew what I wanted and I knew what I wasn't going to take anymore. So, um, we only courted for, cause we knew each other a total of eight years. Um, four years in, he started trying to, um, date me. Um, we courted, he proposed, we started courting on April 25th. He proposed on June 2nd. We got married on August 4th. So it was. Oh, wow. It was like boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Yes. Um, I remember when um, we went to an old school church. So um, he met with my pastor and he said, I'm coming back to get my queen. (laughs) He was very serious about that. Um, So we've been married 10 years next year. And it's been um, when we first got married, he said that, you know, you're you'll have a life like nothing else you've ever known. And it has been true. Um, I got married to him at age 40. 
And I, I would say that that's where my life started. A lot of times people say, okay, well, you're downhill at 40, but that's where my life started because he spoke into me. He told me I could write a book. He told me that I could minister to women. All of those things that I had looked for for so long, he validated me and he built me up instead of tearing me down. And that's what, you know, that's why we have to look to God for who we're supposed to have standing next to us. We cannot follow our own heart because our feelings change and our feelings are wrong most of the time. But yes, he's my Boaz. Wow. And this is so, um, it's so funny, but also true. And I'm, when I say funny, not in a comical way, y'all, because she said at 40, her life was just beginning. And I think about going in Party City. And for those of you who don't know what Party City is, it's a store that has different party supplies and all this stuff. And for 40, everything is black and it's like over the hill because they mean like going downhill. But in Tyra's sense, she was over the hill, yes, but she wasn't going down, y'all. She was going up because she had... Yes her Boaz, she had her rock, she had her other half, and he had his rib, and his rib metaphorically was Tyra, and together they are like glue, and they became whole, and they're growing together, but y'all who's listening, marriage is not perfect, marriage is going to have ups and downs, but you remember the vows that you take to that man or woman, you remember why you fell in love with your partner, and you remember who God has given you because sometimes we're praying for certain things and we have certain wants but God doesn't always give you what you want he gives you what you need according to his will his glory and his purpose for you and sometimes we as women we could get so impatient y'all because you're like man I'm single when am I gonna find a man all my friends are getting booed up or oh if I have to be a bridesmaid one more time if I I mean, all of these are thoughts that, you know, that the enemy likes to play. And sometimes, oh, I'm getting choked up, y'all. I'm a married woman too, just a disclaimer. And sometimes it's like you're going through the emotions of life. You're going through work stresses, home stresses, trying to be booed up, trying to find your equal and all this stuff that sometimes you have so many blinders on and so much baggage that God has the person right there in front of you, but you don't even see it. And you keep asking, okay, God, is this you? Is this you? And it reminds me, um, one pastor said there was a guy that was stranded and he, he prayed and he asked God for a miracle or save or savior god sent him a boat he said no i'm good god sent him um i think it was a firefighter no i'm good i'm just waiting on god and then god sent him a third saving grace what was the third one tyra i thought one of them was a a life raft yeah a life raft Mm -hmm. a firefighter and then the third one was what um they sent a helicopter to go down to him to lower him. Yeah, the helicopter lowers down the ladder to pick him up. No, I'm good. So he had three signs all passed by. And if I think about three, I think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You had all three of them. You passed him by, but 
nah, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. But sometimes we're wait, we say that we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on us to take a leap of faith. He's waiting on us to be obedient because sometimes it's our disobedience that will have us going around the circle longer than we think. So that's one thing to be mindful of because we already know that he has prepared us for purpose. We already know that he crafted us um, before he even formed us in our mother's womb. We know all these things, but why do we allow counterfeits? And those could be people and things to rob us of our joy, rob us of our peace, rob us of who we are. Why? You know, it's because we're not following after the plan he has. We're not being led by his spirit. And we think we know better than God, you know, and we often get ourselves in so much trouble trying to do our own thing or help God out because we think he needs our help. Yes. And sometimes he's like, I didn't ask for your help, but I asked you to trust me. I told you if you had the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So imagine if you have more faith than a mustard seed and a mustard seed is so tiny, y'all. If you just begin to increase your faith, if you begin to trust, if you begin to have faith, what more can he do besides move mountains? And mountains are big, y'all. So I want y'all to sit in that and marinate in that for a bit because we all have faced pain, but it's that pain that produces purpose. Whenever we stop having a pity party, when we stop sleeping in our pain, when we stop wallowing in our pain and we change our vantage point, we change our focal point, we get a new mindset, we get a new perspective, and we, and most importantly, we keep God in the midst and in the mix. I like to say in the midst because that's the external factors and in the mix. The mix is the internal when you keep him on the outside as well as in, in the inside, he's going to give you the blueprint. He's going to open your eye gates. He's going to open your ear gates. He's going to open your mind to new possibilities. And the word no longer reads impossible. It reads I'm possible. Yes. Yes. So Tyra, I want you to tell us about pain to purpose the book and then tell us what that journey was like when you wrote it did you write it in the midst of your struggles or did you write it after you were already walking in your testimony okay so um pain to purpose was my second book um the first book a crown of beauty for ashes I wrote that and that was after we had been married about three years and my husband kept you know saying you got to write your book you got to write your book and finally you know because I had so much fear about it finally I decided to write it but A Crown of Beauty for Ashes was it it was bare I I bared everything Um, I was very transparent in it to give people an internal look about how you know what things went on in my abusive marriage and then I decided to write Pain of Purpose Escaping the Fire to Get to Freedom because I wanted women who are in the situation to see, okay, you don't have to stay in the pain. You can get out. And when you get out, God has your purpose waiting for you. And so I wanted to show them how I did it, 
and to also encourage them to let them know it's not just me. I'm not special, you know, in that God only allowed me to get out, but they could get out and he had a purpose for their life as well. So um, you mentioned earlier about a nonprofit. I actually um, have been working on a nonprofit. Um, The name that I have for it is the King's Beauties. And so I am working on getting that set up because I do my ultimate dream is to have a shelter, also resources and education. And the reason I've always wanted to do this because um, the last time we got out, there were no shelters open. And so that's why we were homeless for about six months. We lived in our church for that amount of time. So I I do want to help other women. I want to give back and I want there to be a place that they can come to feel safe. Now, my, um, my journey hasn't always been easy because again, with so much pain, there's, it's like an onion peeling off a new layer and something may trigger, you know, and I, that's something else that God has to heal me of, but I hold on to his hand because I know that I am going to have complete healing as long as I keep going back to him. Mm, and that's beautiful and wow y'all if that's not confirmation because I had no idea Tyra was working on a nonprofit. but whenever I heard her story and I saw the stuff that she was doing behind the scenes her and I never even talked about nonprofit, and that just lets you know that sometimes you just have to open your mouth to ask questions or plant those seeds because some people come into our life for seasons and chapters. Other people come into our life for a lifelong journey, but don't confuse seasonal and temporary people for lifelong people. And remember, who are you connected with? Because I want to be connected with roof terrors, y'all. And roof terrors are the group of people who they had a friend that was paralyzed. They were trying to get their friend to Jesus, but the house was packed, y'all. It was like a house party on steroids. So they could not go through the door. So what they said was like, all right, we could get a ladder or we could climb upon the roof, cut a hole in the roof and lower our friend in because that's how bad they knew the purpose and the potential that their friend carried. And once they did that, they lowered their friend and their friend got healed. But they went through extreme measures to get their friends healed, even though they were going through their own struggles and their own journeys. And because of their faith in their friend, God healed them too. So are you a roof terror and are you surrounded with roof terrors? Because in this season, of my life and entire life, we don't just take things lightly. We want to be connected to the source, which is God. We also want to be connected to the right people in the seasons and the chapter of our lives that we are unfolding because we don't have time to shake and bake like Ricky Bobby. We have we want to make it into the promised land. We want to accomplish our dreams, our goals, and our visions. And we just don't want them to be dreams. We want those dreams to turn into reality. And you heard from Tyra Jones with she has three books out y'all and they are amazing and each book she opens up more and more about her story because by her sharing her story she's empowering another young girl another woman or somebody else who is in the vein of a situation that they don't see a way out but she's telling them there is a way out there is hope there is grace there is mercy you don't have to stay stuck you need to get unstuck because there's purpose to you. 
you're beautiful. She's giving them their crown. She's talking about beauty to ashes. She's talking about pain to purpose. She's talking about empowerment. She's talking about finding out who you are. And now, Tyra, I want to end. Once again, who is Tyra Jones? Close us out. Tyra Jones is an overcomer. I am also not a victim, not a survivor, but I'm a victor. I I have victory in Jesus. I am a woman who is called according to his purpose, and I am walking the steps to do as he has called me to do, to take as many as I can out of bondage and show them the way. I am also doing what I can to go to the root. Any child who is in an abusive situation, I want to help bring them out. And I've opened my home for that. So I want to to tell anybody who's listening, you can get out. No matter where you are, you can be that teacher, that writer, that podcaster. You can be anything that you have in your mind and desire to do. Because who is in charge of you? Not that man, not that woman, but Jesus. He is the one who offers you a way out. And so I want to tell you, yes, I'm a mom of eight and more. I am an author. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a life coach, but I am all of that because of the one who brought me out and that's Jesus. Beautiful. And just a disclaimer, y'all, when I met Tyra, she was just doing her thing. I saw something in her and I just went up and I just talked to her because at the time I was working in corporate y'all. And I said, you know what? she controls her time. She's not trading her time for money or whatnot. And she actually pushed me to write in my first book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace, because I was already writing, but I was writing for me, y'all. It was therapeutic. And she's like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And But she said it in the Tyra's voice. And I'm like, no, I have never thought about writing a book. And we were at Starbucks, y'all. But I just wanted to put that context there because who would have known why God had us connected. But I'm just going to let y'all marinate that. We will definitely have Tyra back. But Tyra, um, tell the listeners and viewers how they could connect with you on social media and your call to action. I am on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Tyra D. Jones. And um, if you want to email me, if, you, if you're a woman in need, Tyra D. Jones at Outlook.com. Now, right now, I, I believe everyone's a writer. I believe you, everyone has a story. I, I'm not biased because I believe that God gave everything that he wanted in us and he wanted us to pour it out for others. So everyone has a journey to share. So I am hosting a book writing workshop and it'll be every Saturday in the month of November. It's free because I believe in giving back and allowing people to come no matter what, if they can afford to or not. So join me um, for that writing workshop and I will help you, give you the tools you need to get started on that journey. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just heard Tyra D. Jones and we talked about from pain to purpose. Stay tuned for the additional parts to come. And remember, you are a masterpiece the potter's wheel still works. Broken pieces can always be refined. And don't ever let somebody or anything 
dim your light. Your light is meant for you to illuminate. Your light is meant for you to knock out darkness. And what you have inside of you is there for a reason. So walk in your purpose and live your life like it's golden. Signing out, peace, love, and blessings. Genesis Amaris Kemp and Tyra D. Jones.